So here we are once again, having a great time with the Brattle cast, uh, all thanks to the Brattle Bookshop, 9 West Street in Boston, which is uh, an institution, historic landmark. People uh, flock to it from all over the world, and certainly Bostonians and Canterburyans love it. Before we even start on the subject of this one, uh, when you're saying Bostonians love it, we're actually, this week, the Prudential is making a new observation deck. Yes. And they're going to have an introductory movie and promotional oh, item. Oh, yes. They're coming down to film the store for that promotional item. So uh, that will get us, everybody who Kudos. That. That's wonderful. It's like you belong at the airport, too. I don't know if you're there. Well, tell them. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do it. I'll talk to the next governor, whoever that may be. Well, anyway, uh, speaking of airport, this is kind of a related issue. You were mentioning to me that uh, a category that we don't often think about is is travel guides. There are all kinds. I mean, I've got the the one to Europe uh, sitting on my uh, bookshelf at home because I'm planning a trip soon. But you're talking about unusual travel guides, which are quite collectible and quite interesting. And I'm planning a trip also, and I have one of the standard travel guides that are up to date. Rick too. Steves is my best friend. But anyway, uh, but I had someone come in recently. And they want to start collecting books. And they said, you know, what's an interesting subject? You know, throw a few out. Or just They didn't know exactly what they wanted to collect, but they know they like books. They know they like history and unusual items. And uh, they, they particularly wanted something that was more in their time frame and mm-hmm. so on. And, you know, I was – that's a hard thing because you don't know what someone else's interest is. But we had just been uh, in Boston and we bought a, a library and I just happened to look down and go, travel guides. But I said, maybe travel guides of marginalized groups. And what I was looking at was we had – it was sitting on my desk in front of me, and, and you know maybe I'll start a collection if, if he doesn't. Uh, it was a 1968 New York travel guide, but it was the new 1968 gay New York travel guide. And it was a little item, and it was for gay, homosexual, where to go in New York, where the clubs were, what to do, what to be careful of, how to how – to, tour New York and, and have a great time in the city and also be gay. Now, in 1968, although it's only 50-something years ago, the world was a lot different place. Oh, yes. I mean, one of the sections of this guide was, this might look good, but be careful. This n- mm. isn't necessarily a safe area. It said hippies, which, of course, were the, you know, the, the culture of the time. They said, be careful. Some of them, uh, they dress wildly. They seem very counterculture, but they don't like gays. Mm. And But you're looking at, at this rare, unusual travel guide from the 60s, and I'm going, that would be an interesting collection. And I then, then I was thinking, and I was saying, well, wait a minute. They must have the the green guide, which was— a famous one. And that was turned into a, a film, uh, a very powerful film about the southern guide to where blacks could go and where they couldn't go. Basically. Exactly. And, and you know, what what hotels, motels, Jim period, uh, yeah. restaurants, uh, even which uh, towns and cities had what they called midnight laws. Mm-hmm. They weren't – or sunset laws, not sunset, midnight. Right. 
where after dark, if you couldn't be on the streets, right. they'd arrest you. So, and, and but those guides also show a lot because you look at the ads and you see how they're written and they tell a lot about the time and culture. We had uh, one time we were on Cape Cod and we were talking to a friend a number of years ago and she was a writer and she wrote for Sports Illustrated when it first started, which was unusual for a woman. And she said, but the hardest part of this, doing that was traveling alone around the country as a woman. I know that there are guides to women's hotels. Women play. So women, if they were traveling alone, there has to be guides. If you were an Orthodox Jew, where could you eat? Where could you where go could to you a kosher go? restaurant? Where, where could you go or where could you get the food? Mm-hmm. There have to be guides. I'm sure through the Catskills there were plenty. But if you're traveling further out in further areas, now maybe some of those guides were just mimeographed sheets that the temple or the congregation put out. or and, and you start realizing that that not only could be a fascinating area, but there are all sorts of groups. If you're Muslim, again, eating what where you could eat could sure. be an issue. Uh, and where you stop, who are the families? I'm sure Amish. So... You know, I started thinking this could be an absolutely fascinating way of collecting. And some of the guides might be actual guides with a lot of advertising in them. Some of them might be a plain mimeograph sheet. Some of them might be maybe some pictures that someone put together uh, or typed out or whatever. And maybe it's also a section within a more prominent guide if they thought they could get the advertising. So this sounds like an epiphany you've had recently. Well, it was. And and I'm almost saying to myself, gee, if I got more of these, it would make a great collection. Also, what's happened a lot in collecting and and in a big area of collecting now is sort of the social movements, especially of the post-World War II period. And of course, as cars and people traveled more and went around the country, you had differing groups in differing areas. But one of the reasons that type of material, like this gay travel guide from 1968 in New York, are being so collectible is nobody's collected them before, or at least it's been very little. So you've got this treasure trove of things up in attics, coming out of libraries and bookstores, and probably showing up at flea markets and auctions now, that Nobody else collected in the same way maybe they collected books on the stagecoaches going west. Although I'd be really interested in if there was a gay cowboys guy <laughs> back. Well, you know, Who knows? Th- th- you know that there had to have been. Well, and- I'll, I'll, you know, something just hit me, and I remember seeing this. Um, you know what the Wiccan faith is, the, yeah. the witches, quote unquote. Um, I've seen some things that are specifically – written for that community and and it's fascinating you know to talk about moon phases and where to go to particular uh, natural spots on earth and i mean this you're right there's so many things that could pertain to individual marginalized groups if you will yeah and and but those type of things they're not the type of thing that you normally would look at an auction like at Sotheby's Christie's yeah. uh, they're not the type of thing that a lot of dealers have dealt with or libraries have collected. But they're things that now are very interesting and they're just starting to come on. 
there's a, an auction gallery in New York that does some gay auctions, gay themed and books and artwork. And, uh, and then there are other uh, ones that, uh, you know, it's libraries are starting to collect this, the poetry, the literature that came out of this period. So I, you know, it was sort of like, wait a minute. If you put this all together and really got a collection, they would be fascinating to go through. Um, I, I one time uh, had a postcard, which is sort of an offshoot of that, but it was the ooh la la club, and it was obviously people who cross-dressed. Oh, and, but, <laughs> okay. But I'll bet you there are guides there. Now, my guess is that probably if you looked like at a place like Fire Island or Provincetown, probably even if you had the regular guides from 50, 75, 100 years ago, there was probably sections and areas because there was a gay an artistic community who had money. Mm-hmm. And that's probably an important part when you're traveling, right. having money and, and being able to stay. So uh, it just struck me that that, that would – now, the person I – Pitched this idea to, uh, we'll have to we'll have to see whether uh, maybe competing had, collections. Who yeah, knows? maybe competing collections, or it would be the type of thing I do antiques roadshow. If someone came in with a collection like that, I would love to talk about it on the air because you never know. But other ways of this type of travel is maybe you want to when you're sightseeing, uh, you want to go. Maybe there's. Well, I was going to ask you. I mean, uh, Easter Island just made the news as we record yeah. this. There was a fire and it affected some of the statues. I mean, that's a particularly interesting spot or Machu Picchu or those places. I know they all have individual tour guides and things that do that, but I'm sure there are printed materials about each and every one of these exotic places that well, I would love to read. Well, you have the exotic places where someone goes, but – what this collection would be would be people who are socially marginalized. Socially marginalized, where, yeah. where you might worry about going one place or another place. And it's sort of almost the safe havens to go to or where you could safely go, be yourself, have a good time and not worry about it. I mean, a woman traveling in the 40s and 50s by herself, first of all, was not looked upon very well trying to check into a hotel. No. Or going out to dinner, it wasn't set up for that. Uh, again, if you if you had dietary issues, maybe even health travel uh, would get into you know where you could go and be safe this way or that way or handicapped mm. if you you were handicapped traveling. Yeah, that's. I that's... mean, I would love to see. I mean, I would love to walk into somebody's attic and have say, oh. This person thought exactly of this and see box after box of this type of material. And I got that one guide and it's like, boy, that would be fun. Now, hopefully more so I'll inspire somebody to do that. My my thought was nudist colonies, but where do you put the book if you don't have a pocket? (laughs) Well, you you know, but actually there are a lot of – there are guides. Oh, another guide that I saw, this goes back – a little bit earlier is uh, New Orleans, houses of prostitution. Now, yeah. now you got people listening. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Pull that. Uh, there, there are some famous MP3 player a little closer. But there are actually some famous guides, New mm. Orleans guides of 
houses of prostitution. Why not? There are ghost hunter guides for every major old city, including right. Boston, including New Orleans. Right? But, but again, I just think— But you're talking the, about the kind of people who would gravitate the People to that who kind of are average people who want to go to normal places for one reason or other, be it a handicap, be it, the, be it this, their way, they want to be themselves and have a good time— and how do you go to this place, especially 50, 60, 70 years ago, and not be singled out and not have someone look at you strange and them be set up and ready to make you feel comfortable and have a good time? I've got one for you. Do you remember the name Billy Barty? Does no. that name ring a bell? He was an actor and he was a, a little person. He was uh, yeah. very well known. And he led the campaign to sort of bring little people, as he called them, as the organization became into the spotlight as as real people. And they had conventions and clubs and travel and all kinds of things. And I remember interviewing him a couple of times. He's long gone now, but uh, that comes to mind, the idea that there were printed materials, I know, because I saw them, for little people. Yeah. Why and, not? And Matt, this is going to, uh, boy, bring that up. When we bought our building, in, uh, we bought it in 1983, the one we're in now. Mm -hmm. The person we bought it from was a friend, and they knew they were moving out to California. They had a, a business of shoes, women's shoes, but they sold sizes one to four, which are really little shoes. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> women of that age group, if you're older, they had to be in children's departments. They couldn't get women's shoes that small. Mm -hmm. So they sold it. And they were moving, and they sold mostly mail order. But the last day, they stayed open an extra week, and we had to go in on an inspection. There was a little people's convention in Boston. That's what I'm talking and about. And when we went in to inspect the building with my inspector, they had opened it just for the people in that convention. And they were obviously having a blast because everybody other than the store owner was there on convention having a good time, going in a shoe store that was sort of made for them. Mm. Although he said a lot of little people have some defects and abnormalities to their feet, so it's not everybody can get fitted easily. But, yeah, exactly. If you're a little person, if you go to the, uh, if you go to the uh, counter at a store, do they have something to make, not so that you stand out as being different, but just... Hmm. That you can, I would imagine it also uh, be interesting if you're a uh, seven foot basketball player. Uh, you, know, you know, where can you go that you that has a bed? Right. That, that they right. won't. That you don't show up there and they go. Wait a minute. We're going to have to. Uh, it, it it just you. I'm sure at a point you just say, I just want to check in. I don't want to deal with all of this. Those are the type of guides that I'm talking about. Whatever your personal like is so that you can feel like the nice person that you are going on vacation. You can just go here, enjoy yourself. You're not singled out as being someone different. Well, if anybody out there, and we have a lot of listeners from around the world listening to this, have thoughts on the subject and maybe have some things that they'd like to share with you and uh, – point out to you, you'd love to hear from them. And, and what I'd probably find out is 
oh, we have a collection like that. That's We've already been doing all of this. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but, and, and, and I would, you know, it would be a lot of fun and I'd love to see it. And then I'd love to do a podcast about how you do a podcast and people come together and get together on it. Love it. Absolutely love it. And when people ask me, you know, what am I doing and what do I love to do? Uh, and this is one of my favorite shows to produce with you. Uh, I always say, I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table. I have no clue. And we don't prepare these things in advance. You don't give me a heads up. Uh, this was so much fun. Well, I didn't I didn't see it coming either. It was coming out of left field, <laughs> you know. Well, it, it, it's fun for me. And one of the things I do when I'm doing these, I don't write out a script. I don't – I mean, I know what I want to talk about. But I find it's much more natural with oh, you asking it, questions uh, and just off the top. And sometimes, as my wife points out, we go off on tangents that could even be more interesting. There's a tangent around every corner. Ken, I can't thank you enough. Again, folks, go to brattlebookshop.com, and it's a feast for the eyes. You'll have a lot of fun. But um, I think you raised some, some interesting ideas. And for people out there who have been thinking about collecting and getting that start— you motivated them to think outside the box, no question about that. So Thank you. That's what you do. He's Ken Gloss. I'm Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening to The Brattlecast. Brattlecast.